This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, October 14th, 2021. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include a check on the security fixes in Apple's latest operating system updates. A security researcher's efforts uncovered several zero-day vulnerabilities in iOS and iPadOS. And some surprising stats on how long Apple provides security updates for older operating systems. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern, and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing fine. Can I say, finally... Finally. Yes, finally. We know that next Monday we're going to hear about new Macs and Mac OS Monterey. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I'm pretty excited about that. Monterey, uh, it feels like we've been hearing about Monterey for a while. I know it's only been like a couple of months, but I'm, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a good new operating system. There's not mm, a ton of stuff that I'm super excited about, but I do like that we're getting a new shiny operating system. And also there's not a whole lot of like massive changes. There's not, they're not taking away our ability to run 32 bit apps or any of those mean things that Apple sometimes does when they push the platform forward. Well, there are some big changes in the design of Safari, and this is something we'll talk about after Monterey comes out. We've already seen this design in iOS 15. I'm just going to mention really quickly the one thing in Safari 15 that's already available that's changed for me is tab groups that we'll be talking about soon. But having used the betas since June, there's there are not a lot of big differences. Before the show, I was saying I can't wait till this focus mode, which is available on iOS, comes out on macOS because then I can have a podcasting focus and turn off all these notifications that I get on my Mac when I'm podcasting. It's simple things. I'll link in the show notes to an article I wrote about using focus. It works on iOS and on Mac OS in a similar way. And once macOS Monterey is out next week, we're assuming it's going to be out next week, you'll be able to start trying it out. Yeah, it'll be pretty nice. I, I hope that it'll be next week. And, and of course, we know uh, Apple's got their event next Monday. They're going to be at the very least talking about new Macs at that event. And it would make a lot of sense for them to talk about Monterey as well. We don't know what else they might announce. Well, you know they're going to talk about Monterey. Of course they're going to talk about <laughs> they Monterey. They have to talk about Monterey if they're going to talk about new Macs, right? About how great Monterey is going to be on the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Of course. Interestingly, um, Google actually scheduled to do an event the very next day. They had already scheduled that event and then Apple scheduled their event on Monday. So I would not be surprised to see uh, Monterey either get released on the same day as the Google event to try to overshadow it a little bit or to be released the day after to get Google back out of the news cycle. So we'll see what happens. Last year, Big Sur dropped two days after the similar Apple event. Uh, so we'll see if Apple does the same thing again this year. Well, it's interesting that Apple's doing an event on a Monday. They usually do Tuesdays and they probably chose the Monday because they didn't want to do it at the same time as the Google event. Right, exactly. We don't really talk about Google and Android very much, but there are a couple of interesting things that the new Google Pixel, they're really highlighting, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, they're highlighting that it's going to come with five years of updates. This is like a tagline when they're talking about the new Pixel phone. They're also introducing a sort of subscription. I'm not sure exactly how it works. It's not exactly like the Apple One because Google doesn't have as many paid services. I think it's paying for the phone and paying for equivalent of Apple Care and things like that. But We'll, we'll see if there's anything interesting next week. We'll talk about it. 
We have a new iOS update 15.0.2 and it fixes a new actively exploited vulnerability that is in the wild. What the heck is Apple doing? Yes, well, <laughs> first of all, Apple only released patches for this vulnerability for iOS and iPadOS 15. Nothing else. No 14, no Mac OS. Right, exactly. At the very least, you would assume that if this is an actively exploited vulnerability that they're fixing, that they would want to patch that in iOS 14 as well. And maybe also if it applies to iOS 12, they might also want to release an iOS 12 update. Although Apple does tend to drag their feet a little bit in releasing those, you know, in the wild vulnerability updates for iOS 12. They tend to come out sometimes weeks after the updates come out for the newest version of iOS. So now we have this weird situation. And I talked about this in, in my talk a couple weeks ago at Objective by the Sea. I was mostly focusing on Mac OS and, and we'll get to the Mac OS part of this later in the show. I had one slide where I was talking briefly about iOS, and we talked about this a little bit on the show too, that iOS 14.8 still has fixed like two in the wild vulnerabilities, or Apple calls them actively exploited vulnerabilities. So they may have been used in targeted attacks and things like that, that have not been fixed in iOS 15 yet, even apparently as of iOS 15.0.2, judging by the release notes. So iOS 15.0.2 patches one particular in the wild or actively exploited vulnerability that iOS 14 doesn't patch yet. But iOS 14.8 patches two actively exploited vulnerabilities that iOS 15.0.2 still has not patched apparently. So you can pick and choose. If you're still on iOS 14.7, you can decide, do I want to stay on iOS 14.8? and have the Pegasus patch protection? Or do I want to go to iOS 15.0.2 and get protected from this other thing that I can't be protected from on iOS 14.8? That's where it's like, what the heck is Apple doing? Okay, this is completely crazy. Okay, to add to this, as of the 5th of October, it was a company called Mixpanel that gathers statistics about operating system usage. I don't know how they do this. I don't know if it's an opt-in thing. But they're saying on, on October 5th, only 22% of iOS users had updated to iOS 15. So if Apple's released a fix for this latest thing for iOS 15, that's only 20% of the people. And let's say there's still less than 10% older than iOS 14, but you've got 70% of people who aren't protected now. Right, right, exactly. Well, and it's also, we, we don't know this, but this particular component that was fixed in this latest iOS update also may apply to Mac OS as well. And we haven't gotten any, uh, so, so there's, no, <laughs> there's no patches for iOS 14 or 12, which again, we don't know if that's affected. Um, and other Apple operating systems may potentially be affected as well, but we only have that patch for iOS 15 at this point. So that's kind of weird. Um, I, I don't know exactly what Apple's doing here, um, but I, I certainly hope that we're going to get some more patches very soon. I hope that 14. 
8.1 or whatever they're going to call it will come out soon. And uh, hopefully we'll get some Mac OS patches pretty soon, too. So we spotted a tweet by a security researcher named Dennis Tokarev, I think. Illusion of chaos. Apple quietly fixed gamed vulnerability in iOS 15.0.2 without giving me credit. It took them seven months to fix it, but my both of my other zero days are still unpatched. Now, we were talking about this before the show, and it's entirely possible that they haven't credited anyone yet because there's still a patch to come out. For iOS 14, if it's the same code, we're going to talk about this in the second half of the show. We're going to talk about your objective by the C presentation. I think there's an awful lot of, uh, we don't need to get into all these developers who are angry that they're not getting money from the bug bounty and angry that they're they're not getting credit. When on the other hand, some of them are listed as anonymous researchers, such as the 15.0.2 vulnerability. But it is just a point that there are more vulnerabilities out there that aren't fixed, and we never know too much about it, but we shouldn't know too much about it, should we? Apple doesn't want everyone to know that these vulnerabilities even exist because then people can figure out how to exploit them. It's it's a complicated situation for sure. Um, I, I know a lot of, um, there was a lot of frustration uh, um, that was expressed by the audience um, for a lot of the talks at Objective by the Sea regarding how Apple handles patches and things like that. So, um, you know, there's definitely work to be done here. Um, some, some people um, are, are, as you mentioned, unhappy about the bug bounty program, uh, partly because of the payout amounts, but also because of a lot of things that are pretty serious vulnerabilities fall outside the scope of Apple's bug bounty program. So you can have some amazing vulnerability um, that is has some really serious implications and also Apple will not give you any money for it. And they, and they might still credit you, but they're not going to give you any money for it. Um, so that's frustrating to a lot of researchers. As long as we're talking about vulnerabilities, and let's talk about the Pegasus vulnerability. The Pegasus spyware has been updated to not be able to target phone numbers in the UK. So the UK international prefix is plus four four. And this has something to do with the fact that Princess Haya, who is the ex-wife of Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, used Pegasus to hack into her phone and that of her lawyers. And so the Pegasus people just said, okay, we'll patch our software so it can't do phones in the UK. And I kind of find this seriously Like, seriously, they're saying that? Because there's two things. First of all, do we believe them? And second of all, well, just keep the old version. Just don't update. Right. Well, and and to be fair, I mean, you kind of have to update at some point because, you know, if you want to exploit, you know, the latest vulnerabilities and the latest operating systems, you're going to have to update your uh, Pegasus distribution software. Right. But but only 22 percent of people are on iOS 15. So it's very possible that all those people on iOS 14 (laughs) are still vulnerable to Pegasus. Right. Yeah. So for a period of time, certainly you could continue to use uh, older uh, distribution methods and and software, I guess. However, you're getting your Pegasus spyware onto your target's phones. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, I mean, it's kind of laughable to say, you know, oh, Pegasus spyware can no longer target UK phone numbers, as the headline reads, because it's like, well, come on. I mean, these are hackers who are who are attacking people's devices remotely, right, with zero click vulnerabilities often. 
they're going to find some way to still be able to do this, even if you've got a UK phone number. I wouldn't trust them. They're already dishonest and they've got spyware and you're just going to believe that they've made this little change here. Also, I, I do find this very strange that, oh, we're just going to not allow any UK phone numbers to be targeted just because of this one incident. And yet we have the situation just really recently with French ministers who were targeted. So France is still okay. It's still totally fine <laughs> to target French phone numbers, apparently. What? Like, this makes no sense. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about N-1 and N-2, and you're going to explain to me what that means. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security, Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Monterey and Apple's latest Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users, made by the Mac security experts. Okay, so you did a talk, you went to Maui, you went to Hawaii, and you hung out on the beach, and you talked to other security researchers, and you've got this wonderful tan there. You did a talk called N-1 and N-2, Should We Really Trust in You? An Examination of Mac OS Security Updates. Now, I guess security researchers understand what N-1 and N-2 means, but I kind of don't. So tell us about it. Okay, well, so N is just a placeholder for the current version of macOS. So in this case, the current version, as of right now, when we're recording this, is macOS Big Sur. The N-1 is macOS Catalina, and the N-2 is macOS Mojave. Pretty soon, that's going to shift by one a little bit because we're going to get macOS Monterey, you know, possibly as soon as next week. And then that will be N and so forth. So things things will change a little bit soon. So what you're saying is that Apple patches the current operating system and two previous operating systems. So N, N-1 and N-2. Anything older than that, you're on your own. Exactly, right. They're not going to release any security updates for anything older than that N-2. So right now, if you're on, let's say, macOS High Sierra, you're not getting any updates from Apple whatsoever. And it seems like Apple's already not patching macOS Mojave anymore at this point. Um, so that's already being treated like an N-3, even though we're not quite at that point yet. Um, it's so close to the release of macOS Monterey that basically Mojave is just kind of being ignored and treated like it's not getting updates anymore, apparently. 
Has it always been like this in the history of Mac OS 10 at least, N minus one and N minus two? Um, it hasn't. Actually, one of the things that I discovered when I was looking into this, I was kind of looking back through <laughs> through history and trying to figure out where exactly Apple had. Did they, did they ever make an announcement, a statement that they were going to do um, updates for the two previous operating systems? And although Apple didn't actually make a particular statement that I could find anyway about supporting three operating systems at a time, I did find an interesting statement in a security update in 2003. In November 2003, they said when when releasing a patch for Mac OS 10.2.8, while 10.3 was the latest major version of Mac OS, they decided to patch something for 10.2.8. And they said in a, in a very short statement at the time, it is Apple's policy to quickly address significant vulnerabilities in past releases of Mac OS 10 wherever feasible. Well, that was news to everybody because they had never done that before. But apparently that as of that moment became Apple's policy. And that's one of the very few statements that Apple has ever made on that subject ever since then. You said this was 2003. So this was the early days of Mac OS X when they were trying to drive adoption. Well, people by then, you couldn't stay with Mac OS 9 very much longer at that point. But this is probably when they were trying to explain how much more secure Mac OS 10 is than Mac OS 9. Yeah. And then a month after that, they did something else that was kind of interesting that Apple also doesn't do anymore. They released simultaneous updates for the two current and the one previous operating system, but they said in a statement that the reason why certain fixes only applied to one operating system and not the other is because those bugs didn't exist in the other operating system. Now, that's really interesting. And if Apple still did that, that would be really useful information. But Apple's not making statements like that anymore, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do some of this research and try to figure out which vulnerabilities actually do apply to a previous operating system or not. Because very frequently, there are updates that Apple will release only for the current operating system and not for the previous ones. We've noticed this before, and we've talked about this several times on the show. And so I wanted to dig into, like, to try to quantify that, like how much more secure or how much safer is the latest versus the two previous. Well, is the latest operating system always the safest? Not Always, not necessarily. There have been a couple of cases in the past where a new macOS version has accidentally introduced a new major vulnerability. In macOS High Sierra, there was the I am root vulnerability where whenever you got a, a dialog box asking you for putting in your administrator credentials, your username and password, if you had typed root in the username field and left the password blank, then you would actually be enabling the root account on your computer, which is like the super admin account, right? That normally you don't ever enable and you certainly would never give it a blank password. But um, you could accidentally enable this. And this was a major vulnerability. It turned out, by the way, that you could actually do this remotely as well if you had certain sharing services on. Um, so that was patched fairly quickly. Um, another issue was uh, if you go back a little further in time to Mac OS 10 Mavericks, which was 10.9, um, there was an issue called go to fail where Apple had accidentally duplicated one particular line of code that made it possible for 
um, SSL certificates to be considered valid, even though they actually weren't, even though they shouldn't have been, uh, which enabled man in the middle attacks, which means that, for example, your ISP could spy on you. Or maybe if the government had a tap at your ISP, that they could uh, could do things to spy on your, your communications, which is kind of scary. Um, so there have been a couple of cases like that. But generally speaking, it is safest to use the latest version of Mac OS. Okay, so you did a bunch of research and you made some big spreadsheets and you come up with some interesting numbers that just in what you're calling the Big Sur era, so that's the year since Big Sur has been out, there have been 468 total vulnerabilities. Now, some of them were patched in N, N-1 and N-2, so Big Sur, Catalina, and Mojave. Some were only patched in Big Sur, some only in Big Sur and Catalina, some only in Catalina, Mojave, et cetera, et cetera. Is 468 vulnerabilities a lot? It sounds like a lot to me for one year. Well, it certainly felt like a lot when I was compiling this data into a giant spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, it took a long time to, to do this research because of that. But I really wanted to, to see how all this stuff breaks down, right? We, we know that there are some things, it, just by looking you know, somewhat casually at the vulnerabilities and comparing them whenever they come out, I've noticed over the past many years that some things get patched for only the current. Sometimes they get patched for only the current and one previous, and sometimes they get patched for all three. And I was curious to see if there were any like anomalies or if maybe I could discern any patterns into, you know, what Apple chooses to patch or not. And I think one of the most interesting things that I found was uh, regarding those actively exploited vulnerabilities. Now, out of those 468 vulnerabilities since Big Sur came out, 15 were listed by Apple as actively exploited. Now, the breakdown of those is really interesting because you would want to assume that Apple would automatically patch all of those vulnerabilities for all three currently supported operating systems, right? But unfortunately, that's not the case. As it breaks down, six of those vulnerabilities only got patched for Big Sur, four got patched for Big Sur and Catalina, and then there were five others that got patched for everything. So that's really interesting. Of those 15, macOS Mojave only got five, and macOS Catalina only got nine. So Big Sur was the only one that got all the patches for all of the in-the-wild actively exploited vulnerabilities. But can't we assume that the other operating systems just aren't vulnerable, that the vulnerability is in the more recent code and not in the older code in these cases? Well, that's a really important question. So in order to try to answer that, um, we have to look at, OK, first of all, who reported those vulnerabilities? I tried to reach out to Apple, of course, and um, as is typical, Apple did not respond to my inquiries. And so then the next step would be, OK, well, let's talk to the researchers who reported these uh, you know, in the wild vulnerabilities. And uh, if if you look at the list, and we'll have a link in the show notes to an article on the Mac Security blog, where we have a link to download the slides and also to watch the presentation as, as well, if you want to see the full talk. But you can see if you look at this spreadsheet, I've got those 15 lines of the spreadsheet separated out for each of those vulnerabilities. And if you look at that list, you can see that most of these vulnerabilities were reported anonymously. They either say an anonymous researcher or Google Project Zero without a specific person being named. And so I didn't really have anybody that that I could go to 
in many of these cases to find out whether those vulnerabilities actually applied to other operating systems. However, there are a few things that we can kind of get out of this. One is that three of those 15 were WebKit vulnerabilities. And as, as we've talked about before, WebKit is this underlying framework in macOS, iOS, all the, the Apple operating systems um, that you, people usually think of it as a website, you know, kind of rendering engine that's used by Safari, but it's actually used by a lot of other parts of the operating system as well. And three of these vulnerabilities were only patched for macOS Big Sur. They were not patched for Catalina or Mojave, and presumably those operating systems would be affected by WebKit vulnerabilities. So that's kind of mysterious. Why patch only for Big Sur if you know that this is actively being exploited and those vulnerabilities presumably apply to the two previous operating systems? Is it possible that there was a Safari update that just didn't report these patches? Well, um... Probably not. How well do we know that Apple reports every security patch for every operating system? Well, so this is one of those things that's like difficult to to discern, right? Um, and and that's why I I wanted to reach out to these uh, researchers. And again, the, if it's an anonymous researcher, then if Apple's not saying, then I can't. You know, there's no other way to really independently confirm this because usually the the details of those vulnerabilities are not out there in the public. Um, there, you know, we don't have enough information to like run a test and find out whether those two previous operating systems were still vulnerable. Um, so there is a possibility that maybe sometimes Apple forgets to include some information about, you know, oh, yeah, that's right. We we neglected to mention that that vulnerability was patched in that operating system, too. That's possible. Um, and unfortunately, in this particular case, because they were reported anonymously, we have no way to know because Apple's not saying and the anonymous researchers, unless they reach out to me, I have no way of knowing that. Okay, you've got a slide showing desktop macOS version market share. As of August 2021, it's about 78% of people running Big Sur and Catalina. So that means that you've got 22% Mojave and older, and obviously the older the operating system, the lower the percentage is, but there's still a fair percentage of people using these older operating systems that aren't getting patched. At what point... Do we say this is dangerous and you shouldn't use this operating system? Well, I mean, based on this research, I am certainly, you know, I, I had been one of those people who tended to stay on the one previous operating system for quite a while. Sometimes I would wait almost until the next major operating system was out before I finally upgraded to the current one. Um, and I'm not going to be doing that anymore. <laughs> um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of knew that not everything gets patched for the N-1, but after doing this research, I I personally feel like, okay, yeah, I, I need to make sure that I'm updating to the current operating system basically as soon as it comes out. Even if there might be some big new vulnerability introduced, there's always that chance, right, when they're introducing new code that they could really mess something up. At the same time, they patch so many things in the 0.0 release of each new operating system that don't get patched in the previous operating systems that I, I think it makes the most sense from a security perspective to upgrade as quickly as possible to the new operating system. Now, Mojave came out in 2018, and it's compatible with Macs from about 
mid and late 2012 forward. So if someone is still running Mojave today, they've got a Mac that could be, what, nine years old. If someone's running something older, that's a Mac that's going to be more than nine years old or just they didn't bother to upgrade because maybe they don't have the storage or the bandwidth or whatever. We talked a couple months ago about the possibility that, that new Macs are going to last a lot longer because of the way Apple's processors work. Do you think that they're going to just keep the operating systems compatible further back? Or do you think they'll maybe start patching more operating systems going forward? Because if we're talking about people potentially using today's Macs for 10 years, well, when you're getting to that eight, nine, 10 year period, you're all of a sudden quite vulnerable. And even if you're saying that the N minus one and N minus two don't get all the patches, you could use a Mac for five years and never upgrade it. And that would mean that you're going to be pretty vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that and, and that's one of the reasons why I think and there are some things that Apple could be doing a little bit better to promote upgrading to the latest operating system. If you've got 22% of all Macs that are actively being used online today still running Mojave or older, that's kind of a problem. <laughs> one-fifth, that's one-fifth of all Macs are still running an operating system that uh, is not either not getting any updates at all right now or is getting very minimal security updates and will very soon be dropping off the list you know, to get any updates at all. That's kind of surprising. And so I would love to see, for example, uh, if you happen to be running macOS Mojave, I would love to see Apple put a dialog box that says, your operating system will no longer be getting any security updates please update to the latest operating system. Something that's a, li a little bit more clear or kind of a little bit concerning and would make users, you know, decide, okay, well, I guess I really need to finally update then. Okay, as Josh mentioned earlier, we'll have a link in the show notes to an article on the Indigo Mac security blog with a video and you can see Josh's full presentation. You can download the slides and we'll be back next week. We'll be able to talk about whatever new Macs are going to be announced and perhaps we'll have macOS Monterey installed on our Macs and you too will have installed macOS Monterey by next week. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.